Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. Our broadcast today comes from our most recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium. The topic is Digital Acceleration and Innovation in Times of Uncertainty. And the interviewees are Deborah King, the Senior Vice President, Chief Information Officer, and Chief Transformation Officer of Corteva AgriScience, and Jim Swanson, Executive Vice President and Enterprise CIO of Johnson & Johnson. The gentleman who led the conversation was MetaStrategy's Vice President and Head of our East Coast Office, Alex Krauss, who joins me now. Alex, welcome. Thank you, Peter. Well, as I mentioned, Alex, uh, what a salient topic, uh, digital acceleration and innovation during times of uncertainty. As we would certainly uh, say to the many people that we interact with on a day-to-day basis, there's great risk during times of uncertainty of turning off the nozzle towards innovation. In some ways, these are times really to make sure that you you keep the the, the water flowing and those ideas coming. Uh, but I, I would love to understand from your perspective, uh, the rationale and the context for this conversation at a time like this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, Peter, first, uh, we have seen uh, so many data points and, and evidence that uh, there has been no greater digital acceleration than what we're seeing uh, related to the current pandemic and uh, the essentially virtual world uh, across business and, and, and personal uh, lives. Uh, I think uh, that makes it very relevant. What I found most interesting, and that's what the uh, two uh, panelists uh, talk about, is uh, that it's not just digital capabilities, but it's business capabilities, more broadly speaking, uh, that uh, have uh, received a lot of attention uh, and that many organizations uh, have been able to mature significantly. Uh, And I personally believe, and we're beginning to see some evidence about that, that some of those capabilities, including uh, the capability to innovate, uh, we will see the uh, the lasting effects uh, well beyond uh, the end of the pandemic, whenever that will be. So I think we're really seeing a transformation on so many fronts. And uh, the two panelists uh, speak very well uh, about evidence from their organizations. Well, let's talk about that. I mentioned it's uh, Deborah King uh, from Corteva AgriScience and Jim Swanson from J&J, the two people you spoke with in these conversations. Talk in brief, we'll hear it uh, at uh, at length momentarily, but talk in brief, if you would, about how they personify the trend you just described. No, absolutely. And uh, I'm not telling uh, anything uh, new, uh, but but Johnson & Johnson is most notably uh, involved in the in the vaccine efforts. But what I find notably uh, um, uh, very important is that, uh, that Jim and his team have been able, uh, despite the focus uh, on, on the vaccine efforts, to really advance capabilities across uh, the organizations, uh, specifically as far as customers and other stakeholders are concerned. Uh, People centricity, not just uh, customers, but also employees of Johnson & Johnson received a lot of attention uh, and uh, the digital capabilities uh, on top of that uh, are really uh, amazing to see how they flourished. Um, Deborah, uh, on the other hand, you know, she talks about how when everything shut down, uh, the one uh, group of, of their customers could not stop working, and those are the farmers. We still needed to eat. We still needed to procure the, uh, the produce that the farmers produce, and uh, you know, they really found new ways uh, to leverage technology, data, and insights that Deborah, uh, her team, and Corteva provided to make that happen. So uh, I cannot think of uh, two better organizations to speak about that. Well, that's great. What a great overview. Thank you so much, Alex. Without further ado, Digital Acceleration and Innovation in Times of Uncertainty, featuring Deborah King of Corteva AgriScience, Jim Swanson of Johnson & Johnson, in conversation with MetaStrategy's Alex Krauss. But first, a word from our partner, Transmit Security, and the company's co-founder and president, Rakesh Lunkar. Transmit Security is a cybersecurity organization that focuses on identity experience and is enabling a secure and passwordless future. 
They also recently received the highest Series A venture capital investment in history for a cybersecurity company at a valuation of $2.2 billion. Rakesh wanted to share a couple of recommendations for technology and digital executives on how to improve a company's cybersecurity infrastructure. Thank you so much, Peter. First, I strongly recommend to take part of their budget and dedicate it to really innovative companies. It has to be built into the budgets up front so that it serves as a forcing function to really look for new technologies. The, the second recommendation is outside of identity. There are two very interesting classes of security technologies that are emerging. The first one is improving the quality of code to make sure that your developers are not introducing software vulnerabilities. The second is cloud security. I think we're in the first inning of hundreds of companies that will be created offering really innovative ways of securing the multitude of problems in the cloud environments. I just want to leave your audience with this a last thing. Every single time they have to enter their password, change their password, can't remember their password or any other problems, please remember transmit security. And now on to the interview. Wonderful. So let me introduce uh, uh, quickly uh, Deborah King uh, and Jim Swanson. Uh, Deborah is the SVP, uh, Chief Information and Transformation Officer for Corteva AgriScience. Corteva was previously a division of uh, Dow DuPont and became an independent company in 2019 uh, with 22,000 employees in 23 countries. It's the only global pure play agriculture company in the industry. And uh, Deborah led the multi-year technology transformation efforts that enabled that successful um, um, spin-off of, uh, uh, of Corteva. And uh, today, uh, Deborah leads uh, the te technology and digital strategy. And uh, as Corteva puts it, uh, for the benefit of enriching the lives of those who produce, and those who consume. So essentially many of us and, and certainly all of us as consumers. Uh, also here is uh, Jim Swanson. Uh, Jim is the EDP and enterprise CIO for Johnson & Johnson. Uh, as many of you know, Johnson & Johnson is one of the world's largest uh, companies and one of the oldest multinational companies uh, across three business segments, including consumer, pharmaceuticals and medical devices. Uh, they operate across 250 subsidiaries in 60 countries with over 130,000 employees. Uh, Jim came to uh, Johnson & Johnson from Bayer, uh, Bayer Crop Science, um, through the acquisition uh, of DuPont, where he previously served as the uh, CIO for several years. So, uh, Deborah and Jim, welcome and uh, very excited to have you on this panel. Thank you, Alex. Great to see you. And also, Jim, great to see you. Jim and I go way back. Exactly. And, and Deborah, you, you previously were in a, in a similar industry and at your time at Pfizer. So, I know you, uh, you, you know each other's industry very well. We may actually come back to that later on. Uh, Deborah, let me start with you. Um, I've heard you previously describe Corteva as a $14 billion startup. Now, that's some startup. Uh, and I was wondering um, to what extent you are able at that scale and size uh, to really maintain and, and leverage some of the characteristics that we typically associate with startups? Well, you know, Alex, I believe in a better future for all made possible through what I call technology for good. And at Corteva, for good means using technology to help feed the world and create a sustainable future. So we help farmers thrive so the world can thrive. And when we were formed a few years ago in 2019, and you know, up there ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange was just an amazing experience. My kids loved it. They got to tell everyone their mom was on TV. Um, but it was the start of really being our own company. And how do you take a company that is comes from the heritage of these two down DuPont you know, long time heritage old companies. And as, as Barbara said, you know, with a treasure of data and systems 
and actually become a nimble startup um, because that's what we had to be. We, we had to create our own culture and our own way of servicing our customer who's the farmer. You know, we help farmers thrive, the world thrives. Um, so from the beginning, we started with what we call execute to win. We needed to instill an ownership mindset, which is really what's pivotal in a startup um, and also this can-do attitude. So this execute to win program was really about giving opportunity for anybody at any level in the company to come up with an idea and to execute it. And we as an executive leadership team were completely um, on board in steering this and governing it and also helping to make sure that we removed roadblocks, that people had resources to do what they do. We met every single week in order to help our people do what they do best. Um, so that was a commitment from the leadership team to help create that kind of ownership culture. And then from a technology standpoint, you know, because we had to create something new, we were able to really leapfrog, right? Go from these old heritage environments to a pure cloud environment wherever we could and have that agility and scalability. And one example I'll give because I'm sure many people on this call have gone through, you know, many M&A type scenarios. Um, having a TSA, you know, an agreement with a, with a prior company to manage your systems really limits your ability to be agile. And so a big goal of ours was to make sure that we had ownership of all the systems we needed to run our business on day one. And so we had a very aggressive shift to the cloud um, strategy. So by the time we went, we spun and it was day one, we had ownership of all of our systems in the cloud and that gave us tremendous business agility. So we were you know, an old company, but a startup and we needed to have that agility. And so the decisions you make from a technology standpoint along the way really play into how your ability to be able to be agile and have that startup. And, and then, you know, it comes down to outcomes too. You mentioned our purpose and it's to enrich the lives of those who produce and those who consume ensuring progress for generations to come. And for us, that outcome means for our farmer, we're helping them be more productive. We're using data and AI to help them grow more food on less and less land to feed more and more people. And technology is the only way that we're gonna be able to help them do that. And we take data from drones and satellites, weather data, sensors in the ground, um, and we use it to help farmers understand the best time to plant, to irrigate, to apply treatment, to harvest. And without that technology, you know, we're not going to be able to have that kind of sustainable future. Everything we do today not just has to work and be a great product and help our customers, but it also has to be sustainable. And so having that ownership mindset and the focus on the outcomes from our purpose really helps us do that. And every day we have 20,000 people around the world waking up for that purpose and to achieve those outcomes. That, that, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing all these insights. And it's so great that you were able to maintain that and, and build on that and continue to build on that. Wonderful. Uh, uh, Jim, I wanted to turn uh, over to you. Uh, obviously, Johnson & Johnson is in the news quite a bit uh, because you're one of the, uh, the key manufacturers of the, uh, of the vaccine. Um, but uh, what I found remarkable as well is uh, when, when we spoke that despite uh, what, what seems to be uh, this laser focus uh, on, on one very important uh, uh, piece of, of uh, what J&J does, uh, you were able to advance a lot of important aspects uh, across the agenda. And you shared with us previously uh, how you um, thought about this as the four pillars. And I was wondering, uh, for the benefit of the audience, if you wouldn't mind explaining a little bit uh, what you are able to do uh, under this uh, four pillar uh, approach. So let me start with the, uh, the mission of J&J, because I think you got to anchor there first. Um, if you think about what we're trying to do, mission of J&J is to transform the trajectory of human health. It's not just to improve human health. How do you change it? How do you evolve it? How do you make sure the patient is the center of everything you do and you're providing life-saving medicines or orthopedics or vision care or consumer goods and consumer products? 
that really is the anchor and core of the company. And then as I look at the pillar for, for the technology organization, which I lead, I'm, I'm emboldened by the fact technology can shape the future of healthcare by unlocking the power of people, technology, and insight. So that's our purpose statement that we created to align to the mission. Now, within that, we created these four pillars of work within the technology organization, but also into the, the broader company it really helps us drive that purpose and that mission. The first one is around accelerating business outcomes or business value. So really understanding what is those key critical programs that will drive high value. It might be digital surgery in uh, medical devices. It'll be uh, personalized medicine with cancer therapy in pharmaceuticals or vaccines. It'll be a best in class consumer intimacy with brands and products and consumer health. So understanding the business value, the outcome, and that outcome is shared by the whole company, not just by the technology function of the business. We share the same outcome. So that's the first pillar. The second pillar is tied into our strategy of growing the digital ac acumen of 135,000 employees. So think about skills and talent. As I shape my organization and I shape J&J, &J, how do we become future ready? Embracing technologies and skills so that we can actually leverage that with business expertise and domains. So we've done a lot of good work there around mapping our skills, understanding what's future ready, build in experiences and, and events so people can build on those skills, tie them to outcomes. So you can start to see this great link of technology tied to a business outcome with the skills you need to drive it for the future. So that's the second pillar. The third pillar is based on high-performing teams. How do you build a high-performing team that's a diverse team of multiple skill sets, user experience experts, software engineers, business domain experts, product managers, product owners, uh, cybersecurity, et cetera. And that high-performing team is all tied to the same outcome you want to drive with the right skills and talents. So we've done a lot of work around building high-performing teams across our consumer health, our medical devices, our pharmaceuticals, as well as our corporate functions. And those are combined teams, business and technology together. And the fourth pillar is around really building both customer and people-centricity. So customer to focus. So think design thinking, think everything you're doing for the outcome of the customer, but also the employee experience. So what you're doing to create a frictionless environment within your company, but also interactions outside your company. It's not just with customers. It could be with partners, providers, um, suppliers that actually help shape the great experience from a customer perspective. So all four of those have really come together. E each one is important on its own, but they only work when you combine it. And as I try to describe how you put talent into an outcome with high-performing teams with customer at the center, that combination has really accelerated our ability to have really sustainable impact to the mission of transforming the trajectory of human health. That, that, that's uh, pretty remarkable. And, and it's interesting, both of you have already alluded to, uh, to agility, uh, nimbleness, um, and, and also future readiness is what you call it, Jim. Uh, we talked about uh, you know, future proofing and, and also being resilient. Deborah, maybe you can start. So, so what, we, what aspects of agility and resilience uh, do you think are those that, that you say uh, were really uh, shaped uh, by the uh, by the environment of uncertainty and, and the dynamics uh, that we still experience every day. Mm -hmm. We've heard already today about the incredible things that have been done despite the unbelievable challenge and difficulty and really terrible situation we found ourselves in with the pandemic. The innovation that has come out of it is astounding. And I don't think anyone would have predicted that up front. Um, you know, so for example, Jim is at J&J. We developed a vaccine in less than a year. And that amazing lipstick machine, which by the way, I want, I'm sure that that was developed, you know, partly through the pandemic and everyone kind of bounced back and you have to look and say, you know, what, what caused that and how do we do that better? And, you know, for me, resiliency is about 
is about preparation. It's building the muscle to be ready for the heavy lift. And then agility is being able to pivot when that heavy lift comes. And either way, you have to be prepared for it. And there are going to be scenarios you've anticipated and scenarios you haven't. Um, so I'll give an example that has both a professional and a personal bent to it. So um, when we were building IT for Corteva, a new company had lots of opportunities to do things a certain way. And we went for that resiliency. So it was all about putting things in the cloud, you know, making them scalable, um, infrastructure upgrades. You never know where you're gonna need that, but we did that assessment. We did, you know, we made sure that we had what we needed. A very agile operating model within IT to be able to partner with the business and respond when business needs change. Bringing in strong talent, Jim talked about people, it's critical. Um, having a change management function. So there's the building of technology and then there's making sure the business knows how to use it. So I've always, you know, for, for years and years had a change management function within IT, which is not always so typical, but to me it's critical to being able to be agile because if you have stuff that could be used to help in a situation, but nobody knows how to use that stuff, it's not really gonna help you. And then there's also that aspect of having a very strong cyber program to keep things you know, secure and, and to protect us throughout. So when the pandemic hit, we were actually ready. So we were very early, it was you know, less than a year after um, we became an independent company. And we had had these heritage infrastructures and we were working across these infrastructures, but now we had our own and we were able to just flip the switch, it was seamless. So to me, that's the agility. We built the resilience, so we were able to be agile. Um, and it was really a seamless transition. And the business, frankly, couldn't believe it um, because it had been such a short period. Um, and I was very proud of the team and what they were able to do. Um, but that's the agility. And then on a personal side, you know, when we were building all, all this resilience into technology, I wasn't thinking about it from a personal standpoint, but in the middle of the pandemic, not related to the pandemic, but I had to be out on medical leave for a short period of time. And I was able to step out and everything just ran because we had the operating model, we had, I had the talent, I had everything. So, you know, you never know what the situation is going to be. And that's true in life. And that's true in business. You know, you don't know what challenges are going to come your way and you have to be ready. So it's preparation, 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 and then being agile because you've prepared so well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And I like how you described the muscle, the muscle that will be there for the next task that, that is uh, at hand. Uh, uh, Jim, we unfortunately have uh, little time left and so much more to discuss, but but I, I wonder if there's a few aspects uh, that you can highlight uh, in terms of things that you think uh, you developed, you found uh, that, that are here to stay to, to create greater resilience uh, for J&J. Yeah, I think continuing to embed technology in, in all that we do and reimagining business processes, reimagining how your company shows up. <laughs> Deborah and I have a shared background, both in the pharma space and in agriculture. And I, one of the learnings I had moving into a different sector was what's possible and then taking that learning and apply it somewhere else. So reimagining how agriculture was done when I was at Monsanto was a great learning when I went back to healthcare because I was there previously at what's possible to reimagine. So We've taken a lot around technology, data, data science, embedded into the core of how we operate. And it's not just for customer experience. We're reimagining how we formulate products in consumer health. So as an example, we have an Aveeno skincare app where it takes a picture of your face, it gives you a complexion in real time, and then what's the best product that matches to that Aveeno skincare product line that will best support you? And by the way, that also gives us a feedback loop around what is our customer's needs. So you start changing your formulations, you get better insights around product that's real time that meets the needs. When I think about uh, in the physician space, the acceleration of COVID around telehealth and telemedicine, we are actually able to distribute much more globally 
scientific insights and care for patients through telehealth, telemedicine than ever before. It's not that technology was new, but COVID created an environment where people then accepted and adopted that technology. We're doing AR and VR to help train surgeons eight times faster how to do orthopedics in the best way. We're giving them imagery and video imagery with AI and ML, how to perform the best surgical procedure based on thousands of procedures that have been adapted over time. We're accelerating trial enrollment through AI and doing digital twinning, which allowed us to improve our, our batch production of vaccines four times from one batch every two weeks to two batches every half week. And when you think about the acceleration to get a vaccine, a safe vaccine in the marketplace, you need all of these technologies. And what's been amazing is the organization, the company has really learned through this awful pandemic that we can actually transform human health in very different ways by applying and embedding technology with our great science, with our great reputation, with our great ethics, with our great focus on people, with our global reach. And again, taking the duality of my agricultural background, science and IP-based company with a mission of feeding the world, as, as Deborah has correctly highlighted, the science or healthcare background, which is treating patients in the best way possible to improve health and outcomes. Science and, and, and data and technology are cornerstones to achieving those really, really important global missions in both industries and even, even broader. This is amazing. I, I feel, unfortunately, there's no way we can do all of these uh, things justice. I, I hope there's a follow-up conversation that we can have. Uh, but uh, as, we, as we need to wrap up, unfortunately, I really want to thank you. Uh, Deborah and Jim, thank you again. Uh, thank you for your leadership, but also thank you and your organizations for, for really making uh, this, this very difficult situation so much better, feeding people, uh, making sure uh, people are fed, and, and making sure that our health uh, remains a priority. Uh, in that spirit, uh, again, thank you. Best of luck uh, and, and looking forward to reconnect soon. Great, great connection, Deborah. Thanks, Alex. Thank you.